We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast thursday october 21st 2021 one day closer to the packers against the washington football team throwback weekend for the green bay packers with those beautiful green and yellow jerseys I'm your host for this evening's show. I am Jacob Westendorf, and this week, thankfully for the rest of your ear holes, I am not solo. Jimmy Christensen not with us tonight, but Maggie Loney makes her triumphant return uh, from the, I don't remember what you were doing last week, actually, Maggie, but nonetheless, you're back. We're happy to have you back, so welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. I uh, had long-time plans with a friend, so who I don't often see, so that just happened to coincide with Wednesday recording. There we have that. We also have quite a few things going on today. Uh, First and foremost, David Bakhtiari practiced for the first time since last New Year's Eve, just a shade under 10 months removed from a ACL injury that kept him out of the playoffs and obviously at least the first six games of this season. I'll go ahead and call it unlikely that he plays on Sunday. I'll also say it's probably unlikely that he plays on Thursday next week against the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, I guess it's a bit of a ramp-up period. The earliest, I believe, that you'll see him is November 7th against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I would even venture to guess probably that Seattle home game the week after they play Kansas City. But I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not a doctor, as I like to say all the time. But I would bet they'll give him a ramp-up period. But, Maggie, just tell me real quick how exciting it is to have 69 back on the field. Yeah, I mean, for as you know, much praise as the offensive line has gotten, and they have looked good against guys like Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, the Bears front, it hasn't been easy for the young guys. But, you know, whether it's Yash or Josh Myers getting hurt and Lucas Patrick coming in, or, you know, even just having John Runyon Jr., you know, your best guys are, of course, David Bakhtiari at left tackle and Elton Jenkins at left guard. You could argue, you know, if you wanted to play Jenkins elsewhere, but it means a lot for this offense to come back. And I think um, it'll help out the offensive line significantly, you know, to have or it'll let them do more as an offense in its entirety to maybe free up your tight ends, too. If you don't have to consistently worry about chipping with your tight ends and helping out whoever is over at left tackle in that pass pro. Yeah, that's kind of some of the some of the clunky nature of the offense here early in the season is just 
needing to do things different. You know, they haven't felt comfortable to play under center as much and turn Rodgers' back to the defense because of those young guys in the offensive line. And that's completely understandable. You know, you want to put your guys in the best position to succeed. I feel like Matt LaFleur and company have done just that here through the first six weeks. But getting an all-pro left tackle back, I mean, that's better than any trade deadline acquisition that any team is going to get here this season. And, I mean, frankly, he's one of the, you know, one of the best left tackles in all football. It can't be understated how important he is to this team. He's one of the five best players on this Packers team. And with all due respect to Elton Jenkins, who has done a really good job, all things considered, not the same. Not a left tackle uh, to that regard of Bakhtiari, which, I mean, not many people are. You know, we're talking like Trent Williams, and that's about it. You know, there's just not a lot of players that that reach that level of Bakhtiari. So a big deal for the Packers to get him back. Uh, another guy that they got in today, a bit of a surprise, Aaron Wilson reporting that the Packers have signed free agent pass rusher Whitney Merciless, uh, formerly out of the University of Illinois. He's been a Texan for his entire career. A uh, bit of a decline since signing an extension. But this year, uh, if you take his numbers, he would be tied for the team lead in sacks, a second in quarterback hits. He's done some good things and ultimately a position where the Packers are just really beat up. Uh, Preston Smith did not practice today. Zadarius Smith, you know the situation there. Uh, they are a rolled ankle away from being in a real big issue with Rashawn Gary. And now it's like if they started on Sunday, it's Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin and not a whole lot else. So Merciless, if they could get him up to speed to even be just a rotational pass rusher this weekend, that probably keeps them out of at least some of the trouble that they could be in. But what are your thoughts on Green Bay bringing Merciless in and what he can add to this defense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. He already has three sacks on the season that would tie Kenny Clark for, you know, the leader on the team. And I think it's it's pretty significant, just like you said, when you think about, you know, I always think of you specifically when you talk about jars on a shelf. And, you know, we talked going into the season that Edge Rush was, you know, the best shelf probably in the lineup with Z and Preston. And then you had Gary emerging. Even Jonathan Garvin has looked good. Tipa had, you know, flashes in camp. Obviously, they lost Ramsey, but now we're at the point where you have Rashawn Gary, you have Jonathan Garvin, who played well on Sunday, did play really well, but you're without Z for who knows how long. Preston, you think, is going to want to come back against his former team, but that's up in the air. I don't think they'll rush him, especially with you know a more challenging Cardinals team so short on Thursday. So it's significant, and especially with the way the defensive line is playing right now, to get some extra pressure you know, even like you said, if he comes in on a rotational basis right now, he's playing 52% of snaps or had been for the Texans. I think it would be even less if he came to Green Bay. And I don't think you really need too much more from him. Just any type of situational pass rushing at this point is great. And then you let your guys like Rashawn do most of the, the heavy lifting. Yeah. And I do find acquisitions like this always to be funny because it's, I'm not coming, you know, I'm not expecting him to come in and be the second coming of Reggie White. I don't think anybody is. That would be foolish of and of anybody to do that. But the question that you're asking is they're going to get Preston Smith back at some point. Okay. So you have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. You feel good about that. Jonathan Garvin has shown a little bit in the last couple of weeks since he's gotten some extended snaps, had a sack of Justin Fields, uh, already inducted Hall of Famer Justin Fields. Congratulations to Justin Fields for that. But had a, had a sack of him on Sunday. Shown a few things there. The thing you're asking is if you can get Zadarius Smith back, which is 
hopeful. I don't know what else to call it. I mean, I really don't know anything on that side of things, but if you can get Z back, then you have Z Preston, Gary merciless and Garvin. That's a really good group. Now, if Garvin emerges throughout the rest of the season and merciless isn't giving you anything and you get Z back, then cool. You just can cut him. There's nothing, no skin off your back, so to speak. But going into a game where you have, I mean, guys, Kingsley Kiki was warming up with the outside linebackers two weeks ago against the Bengals. That is not insignificant. You know, we're talking Mike Neal and Dayton Jones and stuff like that all over again. And no disrespect to those guys. They did as well as they could, all things considered. But that's not what those guys need. So adding a veteran who's had some good things in the past, is he better than Ladarius Hamilton? The answer right now is probably yes. That's all I'm asking for is can he be better than that? Can he do some stuff situationally? Because the meat of this pass rush is still going to come from Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark. And then if they can get Zadarius Smith back, obviously that would be a big boost. Remains to be seen on that. But signing someone like Merciless who's available now, it's not like the Packers can go out and trade for Khalil Mack. You know, that's just not feasible for a lot of reasons. Place for the Bears, that's a big one. The second one, of course, being the money situation, the draft capital that goes with it. But players like that just aren't available. And they're not attainable for a team like the Packers who are in the cap situation that they are in. So that gets a little bit interesting to me. Uh, the other thing about this, obviously, is the game. Uh, Sunday, they play the Washington football team, and they will play at noon, uh, the only noon home kickoff this season, if memory serves. So that is incredible. Uh, I anticipate being slightly hungover uh, going into the the stands on Sunday, so I'm looking forward to that. Maggie, are you going? I will not be there, no. That's a bummer. Okay, so the crowd just got infinitely less cool, but that's okay. We have a wedding in gross Illinois on the Friday night. So Friday night wedding, weird. But yeah, so we'll be doing our traveling Saturday. And I don't think that's the name of the city, but I mean, I guess I mean, that can apply to any of the cities. It's, it's not it's incorrect. It's actually Rockford. It's actually Rockford. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're coming to Rockford on Friday. And Saturday, yeah. So. Holy shit. Where's the wedding at? some museum where they dress up and I don't know. It's like a civil war reenactment kind of, kind of vibe. That's incredible. I might have to crash it now. So (laughs) Maggie's friends, (laughs) sorry, but I am going to be there. It's actually Mark's family. So Mark's family, come hang out. Yeah. Mark likes me, so it'll be fine. And it'll be, so anyway, (laughs) we can talk about that post show. That's incredible. I can't believe I just learned about this just now. There is a game on Sunday, and as we record now, there's a few things kind of circling around. The first of which being that the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans are potentially working toward completing a trade for Deshaun Watson. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is that the Washington football team and the Denver Broncos, rumors are circulating that they might be in on Tua Tagovailoa. And that's not insignificant for either one of those teams, because both of those teams feasibly could be suitors for Aaron Rodgers this offseason, should Rodgers and the Packers be unable to come to an agreement on a contract extension or you know whatever it is that that Rodgers wants to make sure is in fact the case for for his future going forward. Maggie, I'm, I'm bringing this to you because I'm asking: Am I connecting too many dots? Am I connecting too many dots that? The Broncos are reaching out for a younger quarterback because they know that 12 may not be available. And like the Broncos were the team that was connected most to Rogers. Uh, as soon as the story broke in April 
uh, on draft night. Then you have obviously the Washington football team who has a really good roster and could potentially make a move for someone like that as a team that is quote, a quarterback away. But am I connecting too many dots on that? Am I trying to be too hopeful? I mean, I've kind of been on the, on the whole idea that I'm not convinced that this is Aaron Rodgers' last season. And as somebody who picks his words very, very carefully, someone asked him after the game on Sunday what it felt like if he thought about it being possibly his last game at Soldier as a Packer, and he said he didn't think of it as his last time. This isn't something he said. He doesn't say that with nothing behind it. So I guess have you moved at all on this situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, not to be like too optimistic. That's kind of been my brand for a long time. People have called me that on Twitter already, just like the eternal optimist. But I I do think like I feel better about the Aaron Rodgers situation than I have for a long time. And for as much as we're talking about or we did talk about for August and even part of September about this being a last dance, I think of it as a last dance almost more from the perspective of if they win it all, I could kind of see Rodgers retiring. But I think if, you know, Rodgers feels like he can go a couple more seasons, I feel like they bring Tay back. And I think the band kind of stays together. So it's hard for me at this point in the season to see him going elsewhere. But I don't know. I also, it's it's tough. It's tough for Jordan Love. And we've talked about it on this very show where, you know, at this point, what do you do? Like the kid's done absolutely nothing wrong. He's doing everything he can to be available and practice and you know, as a Packers fan, you hope that he is the future of the franchise and he can be another future Hall of Famer, give you 15 plus quality seasons. But if your current Hall of Famer is still playing at an MVP level or even a serviceable level where he can get you a couple more years until you have to kind of close this chapter and start a rebuild, you know, I think I think that's going to be the the issue. But again, that's not something we have to worry about right now we can have those conversations in January and February and just hope that we're having these conversations post a Lombardi uh, celebration. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That would be a big one. One point that I do want to raise in all of your minds, just keep this in the back of your head, that Mark Murphy was there when they traded Brett Favre. And part of his legacy could be two Hall of Fame quarterbacks being sent out of town on his watch. So just keep that in mind for everybody who thinks this is a decision that is already made. But that's not the point. The point, like Maggie said, is hopefully this is a discussion we can have in February after another Lombardi trophy is added to that trophy case. Five is a nice number, one for the thumb. I certainly enjoy 
thoughts of that once February hits. But this week, you cannot have one for the thumb without a sixth win in a row. And that's something the Packers are going to need to get this weekend against the Washington football team. We talked about the significance of that win over San Francisco because when they beat San Francisco, they were one and one at the time. One and two means they would, I mean, they still won all their other games to the point where right now they would be four and two instead of five and one. But this is a team again, we've talked about this a lot, beating the bears on Sunday. It's nice. The, I still own you stuff. That's awesome. A really cool website I heard made a t-shirt or two about that. So you might want to check those out, but all that stuff's cool. All that stuff's fun. I've enjoyed the hell out of it living in, you know, Illinois area this week, just with that little cocky smile that I've been able to have since Sunday. That being said, this team is not to be compared to the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, and the rest of the NFC North fodder, so the Detroit Lions. This team is to be compared to Arizona and Tampa Bay and Los Angeles and teams that are at the top of the NFC. And right now the Packers are tied with Tampa Bay and Los Angeles for the second best record in the NFC with the Arizona Cardinals at the top, obviously, at 6-0. and Getting that swing game against San Francisco is huge for where this team's at right now because Sunday, guys, games are not played on paper. I understand that. But on paper, this is a mismatch of epic proportions. Uh, the Packers are going to have enough to try and limit Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson and players like that on the defensive side of the ball. Washington is the worst defense in the NFL statistically. And, oh, by the way, playing against Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. And the Packers, during this five-game winning streak, have played defenses like Cincinnati's pretty good, Chicago's very good, Pittsburgh's pretty good, and San Francisco's, when they're healthy, is pretty good too. And they've been able to put up points, not in bunches, but they've been able to put up points and you know a few miscues here or there, and we're talking about maybe scoring 30 in a lot of those games. This is not that defense. And I think the Packers are going to be able to do whatever they want on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, like I mentioned, everything starts with Terry McLaurin. And over the weekend, Maggie, the Packers had a new cornerback uh, step into the lineup with Isaac Yadam being put on the bench in favor of veteran Rasul Douglas. So let's start there with him. What are your thoughts on what you saw from him through the, you know, uh, limited action, but he did play, what, 85% of the snaps on Sunday? Yeah, apologies if anybody hears the dog. He decided to eat his bone directly under me uh, while we are recording this. So, you know, if you hear him, Bojack is going to weigh in with his own thoughts here. But, yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he filled in, and no disrespect to Isaac Yadon, but he looked kind of lost in some of those plays, and there were just too many mental mistakes. So to bring in a guy like Rasul Douglas and outside of, I guess, his hit on Justin Fields that I thought was unnecessary during the slide, um, which, again, a lot of that stuff is really hard to gauge, like, live in the moment Um, because it all happens so quick. But outside of maybe like that mental lapse from him, I thought he played really well. I thought he contested a lot of balls. And yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, Kevin King is coming back. It seems like, I don't know if he'll be ready for Washington, but could get him back for the Cardinals game. He's been practicing um, this week, at least a little bit. Uh, You have to think with the releasing of Quentin Dunbar, maybe it's reading too much into it, that they feel good about what they have in Douglas and Eric Stokes and King coming back. Maybe it, also means some positive news coming about um, Jair Alexander or that they're at least hoping he still doesn't need surgery and he's healing nicely. So I think, you know, Roger said it best when he just said that this is a team that, you know, there's a lot of guys that weren't on the roster in June that are playing some big time minutes. And today in his presser, he kind of alluded to that being like a, a championship team of his from 2010 
that had that same kind of vibe where they were putting pieces together and guys that weren't with the team for very long were stepping into huge roles. And Aaron Jones has said it. A lot of the guys have said it, that it feels like this mentality of this team is next man up. And every year there's a run the table. There's a mantra that the team is going by. And to me, this team's mantra is next man up. And I think we're seeing that. So the fact that they're six and one going into this game at home, a noon game against Washington before a really tough stretch or that they're five and one, you know, with the potential to be six and one is huge for them. And I thought Douglas to answer your question in a really long way uh, played well enough to get the job done on Sunday. Yeah. And really that's honestly, if they can get Jair Alexander back and that sounds to be more and more optimistic by the week that that is going to happen at some point, all you're asking for across from him is good enough to get the job done. Now at the same time, they were playing an already inducted Hall of Fame quarterback. I understand that. But the Bears offense as a whole is not to the level of some of these guys this team's going to face. And that is one of the big questions for this Packers defense as we go into this latter half of the season is they were going into that Chicago game sixth in the NFL. Are they that good? Who knows? Is it a byproduct of the fact that they've played Ben Roethlisberger's corpse and Detroit? and Chicago and and teams like that, maybe, maybe we'll find out because now they're going to play after this weekend where they play Washington, they're going to play Arizona and they're going to play the Rams and they're going to play maybe Seattle with Russell Wilson back in. And Oh yeah, the Kansas city chiefs in Kansas city. So they're going to get some tests along the way. I dig that next man up thing that you talked about because Rasul Douglas really is almost kind of the embodiment of that. I mean, Douglas wasn't on the team when the season started. Uh, He was on a practice squad and the Packers were able to bring him in as somebody who, I mean, we talked about how quick corner depth could get thin during the season because that's a tough position to play. And Kevin King, it's incredible to me. I think this is being undersold by Packers fans are saying, well, we haven't played anybody. Okay. Kind of. I hear you. I understand you. That being said, this team is playing without its two best edge rushers. It's two best corners. It's all pro left tackle. They're deep threat. And they've had a, they haven't had the same offensive line unit in one game this season. Like each game has been somebody different. They've played musical chairs all season on the offensive line. It's incredible to me what they've been able to do through six games. And no, they haven't played this gauntlet of great teams, but they're learning how to win. And they're banking those wins as they head into a stretch where they are going to play some powerhouses, some juggernauts, some bigger teams that you're going to see hopefully again in the playoffs. But this is a team that needs to continue to get those wins and get to a spot where they can have a chance to host another NFC championship game. Now, I know that hasn't worked out the last two times that they've been able to do it. That doesn't mean you don't want those things. Still want a chance to have an NFC championship on your home field. And Rasul Douglas is an embodiment of getting those guys to fill in and do it adequately at a level that's something that's sustainable. With all due respect to Ladarius Gunter, that was somebody who filled in, and sometimes it was admirable, and sometimes it was Julio Jones. And go ahead and flip on that tape if you guys want to remember what that was like. But that's Rasul Douglas. On the other side of the ball, or on that side of the ball, Maggie, I guess my question, the other question I have is about the linebackers. Drake Campbell's awesome. Like, Drake Campbell's going to be a pro bowler. And that's incredible to me that the Packers are going to have an inside linebacker make the Pro Bowl, and it's not because he has a boatload of tackles. He's actually an impact player. The other spot or spots 
are interesting to me because on Sunday, Jalen Smith played and he played a decent amount of snaps. And you've got Chris Barnes and Oren Burks, who have also done a few things. Now, some of this might be a byproduct of the fact that they've struggled a little bit at staying healthy uh, at that linebacker position and at the edge position. But if you look at this last game for their snap counts, you start to see, okay, so Chris Barnes played 13 snaps. Oren Burks played 19 snaps. Campbell, 61. He was 100%. And Jalen Smith, 17. So they kind of split up between the other three guys. How do you think this shakes out? as we get more into it, because clearly I think they really like Jalen Smith. If they're going to throw him out there early uh, in his, in his Packers tenure, he'd only been here for what, 10 days or something like that by the time he played against, against Chicago. Yeah. To me and Perry and I talked about this a little bit, like when you watched the game um, live, you know, it felt like he was a little bit lost. And on the rewatch, I did kind of feel that way as well, but the speed is evident. Like if he puts it together, the speed I think is still there, even though, you know, maybe some of the mental lapses are concerning, you know, hopefully you can attribute that to learning a new defense. And it's not just kind of the way that he finished his career with the Cowboys kind of bleeding into his tenure with the Packers now. But I think the way that I personally would like to see him utilized moving forward, um, the looks that I liked from Joe Barry with him, is when they sent him on blitz packages. And I'm not sure if that will be kind of his role. We saw a little bit of that with Oren Burks and Chris Barnes too. Um, but I think, you know, given kind of the thinness that we're seeing along the defensive line with those edge rushers, Merciless obviously coming in helps a little bit, but I thought Jalen Smith looked pretty good um, when he was in on some of those rushes and now stopping the run, a little bit concerning. I think he has the speed to kind of go into your coverage linebacker, but I don't know. I Obviously the Packers front office is really high on him or they wouldn't have brought it him, brought him in, but I think we're spoiled at this point by what we're seeing from Devondre Campbell. So anytime there is a kind of lapse or a miscue from an inside linebacker without the last name Campbell on his jersey, it is more glaring because, you know, we have gotten so accustomed now to seeing some really, really solid play in the middle of the defense. I do think he's somebody that could have not a big impact, but a potentially somewhat significant. I know that doesn't make any sense, but some kind of impact this week because Antonio Gibson is a player in the passing game and Washington uses their running backs in the passing game a lot. Now that's what the Packers want you to do. And obviously that's going to be a big part of, of Washington's passing game and the Packers defensive plan. So it's going to be interesting to see that death by a thousand paper cuts type of mentality that the Packers defense brings. But Jalen Smith is somebody who he wasn't brought in to be a run defender. That's not his thing against the pass. He does do that or he has done that and he can potentially do that relatively well. So I look forward to seeing that matchup against Antonio Gibson as we get in this weekend uh, against Washington and potentially they might be able to throw the ball to that guy 15 times and that'll be just fine. The Packers will be more than happy to let Washington do that because eventually Taylor Heineke is going to make a mistake. And that's something that he's done quite a bit of here early in the season. And the Packers have been pretty good at forcing turnovers. They've had one in every game since uh, week one and they should have had one in week one. So put that together. They've been able to force a turnover and every game this season, I think you could see a couple of those this Sunday. So we're running out of time. Obviously, as we get to the end here, we're looking for a prediction like we always do. Maggie, I will let you start. Uh, really quick before I give my prediction, I would like to just hop on my soapbox really quick and say that I don't believe in trap games all week. 
it's only Wednesday. And yet somehow all week, I feel like all of Twitter, maybe I'm following the wrong people, right? But like all of Twitter is talking about how this is a really scary game for the Packers. And you don't want to go in feeling too confident at five and one because you've got, you know, the meat of your schedule coming up. I don't think in the NFL trap games are a thing. I think that you can be underprepared. And I think at this point in Matt LaFleur's tenure as a head coach, we're seeing him a lot more mature and a lot smarter with how his team is responding to adversity. After week one, I had the same concerns that I did in 2019 and 2020, where I was worried that, you know, when Matt LaFleur's team gets down, they don't really know how to respond. There's kind of a rollover and, you know, they're not closing out games and there's not like a close hard fought battle when they're losing. You know, the Packers went down seven, nothing against the bears all over Twitter. Oh shoot. We're going to lose. Like, no, you know, delete those tweets. This is a team that we're seeing respond to adversity. The next man up mentality is real and they're finding ways to win. And I know you talked about when they're not necessarily playing juggernauts at this point, but you listed all the players this Packers team is without. You can only play the team in front of you, right? You don't get a redo to say, oh, well, sorry, we were without three of our all pros. Doesn't count. Like, that's not how any of this works. And unfortunately for teams like the Browns, who on paper going into the season were some of the best teams in the NFL, now they're three and three and could potentially lose on a short week because all of their players are banged up. It's not how this works. Sometimes it's the luck of the draw. And the Packers had a really healthy team for two seasons And now they're getting bit by the injury bug. So trap games aren't a thing. I think the Packers know what they need to do. They need to go home, noon game, wear their dope throwback jerseys, put up a bunch of points against the worst offense or worst defense in football. And I think they do that. So the roundabout way of me saying my score is 35-17 Packers, and it's not a trap game. It is not a trap game because I'm with you. I don't believe in those either. I listened to MBS talk last night with Todd Varney and he was saying that something along the lines of like, Oh yeah, it's, it's really hard to win in the NFL. Like there's no such thing as an easy win compared it to some team could be Owen 16. They're going to give you everything because it's a, the film is always running, you know, and sometimes you've put film on something that can get you a couple extra bucks in a negotiation, all that kind of stuff. So I am with you. No such thing as a trap game. Uh, and like you mentioned, sometimes it's not who you play. It's, it's when you play them. And the team that you play might be a very different one now versus if you play them again in January. So I agree with you. You said 30, 35, 17 Packers. I think this is a game that'll be similar to that. I have a 27, 17 Packers, but I don't feel like it'll be as close as a, a 10 point final score makes it feel like the Packers, they just kind of grind some things out. Um, you know, they're not as efficient in the red zone as they were a season ago. So 27, like that's me. I have them kicking two field goals instead of scoring touchdowns in the red zone, essentially. Hopefully not the case because that's something they need to get better at. But I think this Packers defense is playing well and they're not playing a good team. So that's usually a recipe for success. Throwback weekend. They've only lost one game in throwback jersey since they've introduced them years ago. And that was against Dallas quite some time. Dak Prescott's rookie season. So quite a while ago that they were able to do that. I like Green Bay to win uh, by 10 points. And Robert Tunyon scores his first touchdown on Sunday. I'm going to throw that one in there as well. So I like the idea on that. We're out of time. You can check us out at Pack-A-Day Podcast on Twitter. Uh, give us a, ri- a rating, a subscription, all that good stuff. You can find Maggie. 
You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV during the season. You can catch one on Tuesday and one on Fridays. Then I'm with Perry Goldstein doing the Pax at She Said podcast. Uh, those new episodes drop on Fridays. And then you can find us on Twitch and Twitter doing live recaps after the game, uh, normally on Mondays. That's Pax What She Said on Twitch and PWSS podcast on Twitter. That it is. Be sure to like and subscribe to those. And you can find me. I am on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. I write two articles a week for Packer Report, one for Game on Wisconsin. And I host the MBS show every Tuesday with Marquez Valdez Scantling. We will see you guys next week. Hopefully we have our whole crew together ready to roll for a preview show of the Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. So it'll be a short week. Get that win against Washington and get ready for what could be a, a really cool Thursday night showdown. Uh, between the Packers and the Cardinals. Until then, we will see you guys next week, and go Pack Go! If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.